Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We're here for the Trek Segafredo preview, the hybrid American-Italian team who... Uh, didn't have the best of seasons. And I would remind you that this team, based on some research by the man known as Boris, has a pretty healthy budget. Now, that might be split a little bit across their men's and much more successful women's team. But even so, they have a very healthy budget, this team, more so than an EF and a bike exchange. And so that's sort of the lens through which uh, we will assess them. And, yeah, if you look at this year, Benji, 19 wins. The year before, uh, it was, wow, exactly 19. I think six <laughs> of them were at World Tour level uh, this year, which I guess is an improvement because they only had two wins at World Tour level last year. I was checking to see if my PCS had loaded correctly. Two last year. And... Fuck. I think, and so sorry, they did win a stage in all three Grand Tours. Three of those five were at the Vuelta. Pedersen saved the Tour in stage 13. And Pedersen really saved this team's entire season. But I don't think it's good enough, these results, Benji. There is just too many riders that don't contribute to wins, which I think is a function of the type of riders they sign. I agree with that. And also next to that, it's also because they had riders that did well in the past that are now on a long-term contract, like Molema being signed until 2026. Can we talk about that for a second? Bauke Molema being signed until 2026. <laughs> How old will it be? 75 by then? Uh, no, 39. It's like basically the same. UA, Ayuso 2028, Jumbo Visma, Nordhagen, Stalin and 2027. <laughs> <laughs> Quick step, Remco Evenepoel, 2026, 2027. Trek Sigafredo, Balcom though. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, listen, I think Balcom is still a good rider. He is. Three-year contract, yeah. He is still a really good rider. I'm not denying it. Is he going to be a good rider in four years? No one knows. It's unlikely he's as good unless he's Ballard 2.0, 3.0. And most importantly, that's irrelevant to the discussion. What leverage does he have? Who else is going to yeah. give him a five-year contract, four-year contract? Now, maybe in their defense, for long-term job security, he took a much lower base salary. Maybe. Probably. You'd hope. Has to be. But exactly. even so, um, yeah, it's like their signings, frankly, the signings of this team are not good. Like they're scouting. Their signings are very, very poor. Um, and also the, almost more importantly, the internal assessment of the talent they do have is also very poor in yeah. that. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? 
years previously where they would rotate who got to sprint for the win when clearly Pedersen was the fastest. Yeah. That still happened in a similar way this year in Kent Wevelhem where they had Pedersen in the group and they let Sturvin go up the road who contributed to a move with Binium, fast as fuck, Laporte, fast as fuck, Dries van Hestel, pretty good rider too. And after the race, Sturvin said he was just hoping he'd get third. Like, what? Are we... Like, Sturvin Sprint's not good. And yet, Pedersen in the group behind with a lead out from Sturvin. He's got a real chance to win that race. So, things like that are very... Yeah. uh, And camp and some riders not getting opportunities. But yeah, it's... It's just we've got, to, we've got to give our hats off to Pedersen, Benji, because without him, this would be a really, really tough season. Yep, I think so as well. Mess Pedersen has definitely stepped up significantly. Obviously, he won that World Championships. People are now talking about Evenepoel having like a short World Championships because the the world is now before the Tour, but Pedersen barely was able to wear it because of the COVID season. So I think he's in the, the deeper trouble there when it comes to his rainbow jersey back in the day. But... He stepped up, I dare to say, because we said it earlier, last year's season was not great when it comes to World Tour wins. They stepped that up, winning more World Tour races. And it's really those Tour de France and Vuelta wins that make the season sound good afterwards. As in, having won three Vuelta stage, winning a points jersey afterwards, you're like, oh my God, Pedersen was amazing this year. While if you go back towards the start of the season, the Cobble Classics, his main focus of the season, was disappointing. And not only for Pedersen alone, Teg Segafredo in general was disappointing in every single classic, right? We know that Esteven was good at the cobble race at the Tour de France. Okay, he was, he was strong there, but didn't end up winning the stage. When it comes to one-day races, they were barely competitive for top fives. They didn't even crushed. have a top five. Quentin Wevelhem was the big chance. Um, for, for That's not Pedersen. a monument. No, but in terms of the Cobble Classics, and yeah, they kind of sold Pedersen in that one. And yeah, they just, the thing is, with these Cobble Classics turning into like punchy affairs, like RVV, I, I, it's tough for Pedersen uh, against like the explosivity of the Vanderpools and the, the Pagaches. Roubaix, I can't remember what happened with him. Um, to be honest, he crashed yeah, they got... early on before the okay. first sector or second sector. So I can't really blame him there, I guess. Because Sturvin's on good money. Pedersen's on good money. There's a lot of money in the classic squad. It's a, it's the probably the strongest part, theoretically, of their team. And they got cooked in the classics. Um, I would like to give a big shout-out to Alex Kirsch. I think he was excellent this season. And he was often put in a very difficult position, having to, in those classics from what I can remember, having to chase <laughs> having to chase Yumbo and people raining attacks, yeah. it fell on him to chase a lot of the time. And listen, I'm not surprised. Like when you sign last year, um, Tony Galapan, Dario Cataldo, Jon Aberastri, Antoine Tolhook, Otto Vergara, Mark Rosenga, are they going to move the needle? And, and I remember doing the, the this episode last year and i said i really like some and the rest are just absolutely mind-boggling they're the riders you'd expect to be signed at a pro conti team i like baroncini 
the U23 world champ who did have a bad injury from a crash this year, so you can't judge his season. I liked Hulgard. He just it just didn't happen. Dan Hul again, I think, is a fine signing. Um, Strong as well yeah. this year, I think. Yeah, I think I remember. I don't know. I think it was Dan Hola, which in like one of the Algarve sprints where Jakobsen and Remco, Remco had that great lead out and Dan Hola like came out of nowhere and like sniped past people or something. Yeah. That, that was pretty awesome to see. He has a big engine and so forth. He was in good the for prologues. at Euros, right? Yes, correct. I um, think he's a good rider. I agree. And he's definitely going to grow into a better rider in the future as well. I think that's a very good signing, but... We said it. Abrastri was a terrible signing last year. Whoever thought of that, I don't know what drugs he was on, but it's not a clever, a clever decision, I would argue. And I think Marka Irizar, his their talent scout, was then saying what these riders would be for the team. Oh, Mark Bristenga is going to be a lead out. Don Hola is going to be part of the lead Bristenga out. Bristenga was going to do I the think, Cobble Classics. Yeah, I think for half the riders that they signed, I swear that I read lead out in that sentence. For every single one, for one of the half of those riders, and if that's the case, then I don't. I didn't see those riders being the the leadouts here in this team, and half of them are irrelevant for this team. Like pro team signings, you're right. So in the end, it turned out to be the case. It turned out that Anabarasturi only delivered in like pro team races, and even that was questionable in my opinion. But it really hurts for me to see their monuments. As in, I see Trek as a team that with the strength they have, they should be able to fight for a podium at a monument. Seeing them get fifth at Amstel, that's not a monument. Fourth at San Sebastian, decent result. Third at Britannia Classic. Alexander Kamp was one of their stronger riders this year when it comes to one-day races. He was so Sixth good. Sixth in Milano-San Remo with Peterson, which it's a difficult situation for Peterson. If Peterson yeah. and Steven both get over the podium with the front group, then he can be competitive. Otherwise, he's doing everything himself together with the other Wild Fenards and Vanderpools in this world on the flat part to try and catch a Mohorej that's up the road. He's fucked. Like, let's be honest about it. And then, seven at the Lombardia, Molema, I can't really blame him too much. I think I didn't consider Molema competitive to win Lombardia anymore. And getting seven at Roubaix with Steven, can we blame them if Pearson crashed early on? <laughs> Mate, no, no. And Sturvin was pretty solid in Roubaix. Um, it's just broadly the... It's not like they were... It's not like Yumbo, right? Who dominated yeah. E3, one arm lope, and then RVV wow, got COVID, and then the wheels collapsed, literally, in Roubaix. And you're like, <laughs> okay, they were good, and then some bad luck happens. Like, no, Trek's entire Classics campaign... Like the monuments were a continuation of a theme, and I just realised they're. Be- you spoke about leadouts, Benji. Their best leadouts, Edward Turns, in my opinion, for Pedersen. Mm-hmm. He didn't get paired with Pedersen in the Tour or the Vuelta. Like yep. this guy came sixth in Eschborn Frankfurt, fifth in Shell de Price, which was quite selective. The race Christoph won. He's still a good rider. Second in Paris Tour. Like, Euro Champs leadout, right? Yes. Yes, he was for Merlier. Like, I think he's a really good rider, and he seems to have fallen out of favor. Like, Alex Kirsch, I've already given him a big rap, but he was up against it in the Vuelta. He was having to do third last, second last, and last man, all in one. And because it's the Vuelta, it worked out okay, but they needed Edward Turns at the Vuelta. Um, 
I don't know what's happening. So I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. Now, maybe he wants to go for his own results. That would be kind of delusional. Um, if I was him, I'd be happy to be a leader in the tour for Pedersen. But yeah, that's what I, it's just odd things. But anyway, before we get into uh, rounding off their season recap, Benji, you have another episode out, which you might want to play about your, your Zwift exploits as DS. Yeah, last Sunday, we uh, well, I uploaded the new episode of our Zwift series on my channel, the Benji Nelson channel, where I basically became the sports director of six amateur riders in a esports Zwift team. And I have to prepare the races. I have to make sure that they ride at a certain watts on those climbs to try and survive there, to try and shout at them during the race to like kind of get up the hill together with the rest. And it's been a massive, um, a massive thing so far. I enjoyed it so much. And Luckily, the people that are watching are enjoying it as well. It's a good journey so far. The third episode's out, and we do our hardest race so far. Like, it started off with being a race where we're like, oh, everybody should be able to survive this first hill. And by the second hill, we were like, hopefully someone survives the second hill, and there were six hills. So if somebody survived all six hills, guess you'll see if you watch the episode. <laughs> Those episodes have been really good. It's like something different on Benji's channel, and I've been it's been cool to see the uptake and the audience of them. And I mean, have you had any? What's your personality as a hands-on DS Benji? Are you Mark Mario? Are you the EF quiet assassin guy in the car and the classics? What's your nah. personality role? I feel like I I keep on shouting, "Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on!" And I think so it's helping Mark because. <laughs> I am, but like the English version of it. I notice when a rider like, there's like a steep hill, a rider is riding eight watts per kilo to follow the riders, and he suddenly rides four watts per kilo on screen. I'm like, he's giving up. I got to shout him back. And it's working. At the end of the hill, he's on the wheel. So apparently Mark Mario's tactics he's work. A, I'm shocked. So what you're saying is Chente, Mark Mario, they're actually the highest IQ. And yeah. Grisha, Grisha being calm in the Umbo car, he actually, he's got to take the leaf out of their book. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I'd like to see. I want. I, I now want to see some Twitter footage of Benji shouting it at the Zwift team. <laughs> I promise. Uh, All right. Trek Segafredo. Back to them. Just rounding off their season recap. Juanpe and the Jira was good. Uh, wore the pink jersey for felt like half the race and became the patron of the peloton. Chicane... He, did he win a stage? No. Chicone did. Oh, Chicone won a stage. What stage your, was yes. it? Was it from, from the break? Breakaway stage? A really boring one. Oh, the yeah. One where... was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one. Yeah, it was like the <laughs> false flat. It like became a false flat at the end. To Konya. Nearly fell asleep. Carthy. Yeah, that was, that yeah. was tough. Um, but well, that was good still. Yeah, 19 total wins. Uh, what's his name? Skilmosa won Luxembourg GC. He was good in Provence at the start of the year. Um, he's quite a good rider, young, Danish, improving. But onto the transfers, Benji. We have not so many compared to last year. If you remember last year, as we just read out, they signed a whole host of riders. They signed like 10-plus riders. So far, it's only three riders they've signed outgoing is brambilla and moschetti to the q3 6.5 team which yeah <laughs> no great loss i don't think Quebecer, right for the people that don't know yeah it's the Quebecer regen um yep uh 
Jakob Eggholm, who I think was signed because he was friends with Pedersen, or if I'm not mistaken, has gone back to Conti level, I think, in Denmark. And Camp and no, Pellard's out, he's left. And Camp, there's no news. Do you know what's happening with either of them? I'm hearing rumors that both of them are going to tutor. Um, I think some news websites confirmed both of it, but there's no official news from the from the teams yet, and that's why it's not confirmed on like the uh, the stats websites yet. But uh, I'd say they're very likely heading to Tudor Pro Cycling, which is the team that Kenshalara made two years ago. I think it was Swiss Racing Academy back in the day, then formed into Tudor Pro Cycling last year, and now he's trying to get it to a pro team status, which it will be. And I'm liking the transfers because I'm playing with the same team on Pro Cycling Manager, so it's intriguing to see how terrible my transfers are compared to theirs. And um, yeah, I'm Camp is the one, you know? Like, this is the... How can they let him go? To a no offense to Tudor, it sounds like they're moving in the right direction, but how the fuck can they let him go to Tudor? I don't get it either, because like... Come getting those results we mentioned earlier. Amstel getting a top five and then Britannia Classic getting a podium. That proves that it's not a one-time thing. If it was only Amstel, you could be like on the edge of like, okay, maybe he's not really able to replicate that multiple times in a season and in the future and so forth. But he's done it now twice in a season, which means that it's doable to do it again in the future. So I don't get why Alexander Kamp is right as leaving. I think it might have been his own decision. And not necessarily Trek's, but Trek has the money to counter Tudor Pro Cycling, yeah. I think. And and the race program. Tudor can't yep. send to the Tour or Grand Tour or I don't know what their program is next year. Maybe it'll build up slowly, but like, will they be at Amstel Gold Race? Roman the Tour the Swiss? Yeah. So it's a bit, yeah, that's, that's really perplexing to me. Um, the incomings... Tesfatsion, the Eritrean from Dronehopper, he's very good. He's 23, he won. Oh, no, he came second to Zana in uh, the Adriatica race, but he was stronger than yeah. him in a few of them. Uh, second in Apennino. He is he's just a really, really good rider, this, this kid. Um, climbs really well. He had that unfortunate crash. He crashed out of the Giro, maybe. He was, he was really coming into the race in the Giro. He was seventh in that Konya stage that... Ciccone won from the break, and then he was in the break attacking when he crashed on the descent. He's very, very good. Got no problem with that signing at all, and particularly for points. Like, you know, he, he's a points scorer, and they have an, a very Italian program, so great signing. Um, I'm surprised, actually, other teams didn't go for him. Uh, Matthias Varchek, they signed the 20-year-old on uh, from the Czech Republic, he was on Gazprom. Who you will remember, he won that state. This is, remember the like literally like the day after <laughs> Russia invaded Ukraine, Ga- Gazprom won the UAE Tour stage, a miracle stage. They had like three in the top four because uh, Alperson were trying to prove some bizarre point by not chasing the break. And I actually think this is a good signing. Now, listen, they might have signed him because of that complete fluke, unreplicable yeah. result. But but the fact is, he's still a good rider. He came second yeah. in the 23 Worlds, and yeah, he would have been signed before then. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, it's fine, because I think he's, you know, 20 years old with those results, definitely deserves a spot in World Tour. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know how much we've spoken about Thibaut Nez yet, which is the last of these three signings for Trek at the moment. By the way, like we got to keep in mind, last year I think there was a limit of 31 or 32 riders per World Tour team. I think it's gone back down to 30. I think that was a special COVID thing. So Trek has one spot left next to the riders we're mentioning to still get someone. So they could sign Nairo Quintana, perhaps, just like every other team that you're saying should sign Nairo Quintana. Well, actually they should, <laughs> when you really think about it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing a bit. They actually, who's their GC guy? Skelmoza is nice, nice rider, but are you going to send him to a Grand yeah. Tour as GC leader? It's the thing we said last year. That's the thing they haven't built on yet. We mentioned yeah. last year that a GC leader for the future is not what they have. They invested back in the day into Richie Port and Vincenzo Nibali. In the short term, Port was good for a podium at the Tour, but Nibali did fuck all that trek. And I'm saying that as a Nibali fan, but. They didn't invest in the future when it comes to GC. At debate, it didn't really grow out to where he. they probably wanted him to be. He's still young, though, so he can still do so. I think he should go to Giro, by the way. But let's go back to Thibonais. His dad was a, a hero in cyclocross in Belgium, winning loads of races, Belgian champion X amount of times in a row, big gun. And I think his dad's involved in the Balwaza Trek cyclocross team. Thibonet rides for that Balwaza Trek cyclocross team. So I think this is a product of their cyclocross talent thing and not necessarily from the talent pool scout of Trek Sigafredo. I don't think Marka Lirizar is the guy that came up with. You've got to sign <laughs> Thibonet. You, you have to fucking go to like the, you know, junior, the Helsinki Czech race when they're 16 years old. Look, yeah, binoculars on the phone, Thibonet. Like he gets brought to you by Trek's. Trek's marketing director and says, "Here you go." <laughs> nah, but at least he's good. Yeah, yeah, like he's pretty damn good. <laughs> this kid, this kid's good. Now uh, I don't know what he's but, getting paid. Tre- Trek again, as we, as shown in the Alpecin preview. I don't know anything about cyclocross. Trek were his dad's bike sponsor, right? Uh, Trek were his dad's bike sponsor, probably his, at some point and his current his career. CX sponsor. On currency ex sponsor and Sven Nijs, his dad is now the DS, I think, or some okay. part of the cyclocross team. I'm not but an expert it's the on this. It's the Trek lines, so I yeah, assume for certain. <laughs> but it's important to mention that I fear that Thibonais will be the extreme version of Pitcock Vanderpool in terms of race days on the road because his dad is very outspoken about the fact that he wants to have these riders, these road cyclists focus on cyclocross a bit more. And I think his son, Thibonais, will likely focus on cyclocross quite a bit as well. And he's already mentioned that he will never go off the focus of cyclocross. So I think that will hinder his road career. All right. Whatever makes you happy, I guess. I mean, he did 35 race days as a U23 this year. That's not too yep. bad. I mean, that's I not think that it's going to be the same. Vanderpool does. You're, you don't reckon it will go up? I don't like think maybe, it will go out that much. 40, 45. It's not important to ride as many race days anymore when you ride the bigger ones. Like once yeah. you go to this team, you're probably going to fit in the cobble squad. You're like the seven-day rider on their cobble squad. So I expect this rider to end up riding the run-in towards the cobble races. The cobble races, maybe a few of those Belgian 1.1 races. Don't expect him to go to a Grand Tour. So that's 21 races that will not pop up there. Maybe a Bing Bang Tour and a Bowaza Belgium Tour. No, he's their Arden leader. I don't... He's their Arden leader. I agree that he should go to a flash. He should go to an Amstel. LBL is a bit difficult right now in my eyes. 
Who else are they sending? But I also think they should. He should go to the cobble. That's the issue with these riders, eh? Same with Vanderpool. Early, early on, we mentioned like, hey, should he go to do cobbles or the hill classics? Obviously, cobbles was more likely for Vanderpool. I think he should end up going for a combination where he goes for RVV, E3, Amstel. Yep. And perhaps a flesh yep. if he cares enough about it. And also that lets him CX season finishes have a break. Yeah. Come back for those later cobble races with an Put actual an preparation. I mean, well, TDU, hill, TDU is bigger than CX. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> I don't watch CX and I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> for T Bernays, as a marketing expert, my humble opinion, going to the TDU would be bigger for exposure than doing CX races. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because we yeah, covered he... the Santa stood under. <laughs> exactly. And this podcast, you know, it can really make or break your, your season with this coverage. Um, <laughs> T-Bone Ace, I, no, I'm being serious though. Like he, he won Flesh of Sud and because it has flesh in the name, I presume it's punchy. It, it actually is. He did want a punchy stage, uh, stage three. He, I think nothing he's got to a, do with the word flesh. <laughs> flesh nah, is it, is a, it is a punchy race. It is. I checked. It is? I checked after I said it and I was confirmed <laughs> correct. Um, he, yeah, like who else? Honestly, who else are they sending to, to the Ardennes? Molema, Baroncini, yep. Molema, Skelmoser, Simmons. Gotta send Galopin to something. Do he? Maybe Vacek. Okay. Or am I misreading how how the rider Scoins, is? Scoins, Yeah, but Scoins can go to everything. He's like super versatile. Tesfatsion, maybe. See exactly. Like, it's pretty easy to. It's pretty easy to yeah. get Debonais to spot in that Arden team. Yeah, but you were um, you were calling leadership directly, eh? Probably. Well, I'm still. I mean, yeah. Why not with Molima? It's not like Molima's like Molima needs, you know, that sort of dynamic. Yeah. Sturvin, all right, and I'm still sometimes. He's doing I the cobble classics. Nah, not yeah. happening. Anyway. I actually think these three signings are good. These yeah. these are like they did three of these style signings last year, and then they signed eight other guys who are old and don't contribute, didn't contribute anything. But this year they just signed the three young ones, and I think they all have upside. I don't know what they're paying them, but usually neo pros are underpaid. Um, so I think they're good signings. I would. I'm very surprised though that they might let Camp leave. But the one aspect that I see here is that they don't fix the issue that we mentioned this year's pod and last year's pod, which is the factor that for their GC, they don't have a future. Are there riders available in that sense where they could have invested in and gotten a GC leader that might pop up in the next few years? Or is it really the factor that so many of these top teams are getting all the GC leaders in their group that Trek's kind of falling off the wagon because they just don't have the budget for it? Because like, if we talk about budget, we're talking about 40 million UAE uh, and so forth, probably that area. Like, Yumbo's probably nearing that as well. Ineos is roughly that as well. Like, that's a lot of money. And I think Trek's still half of that. Uh, I don't know. I think Trek is close to Yumbo. Like, not that far off. Um, Yumbo will be more. It will be. But I, I think... And I think Trek is more than Quick Step, or at least equal. Where to Quick the Step. fuck is the money going then? <laughs> uh, 
nah, I just want I don't know. Like, El Patron Juanpe arrived after the Giro and said, five million, please. It's because, <laughs> right, you, you sign a Neo Pro, you pay him 70. You sign Galapan, you probably have to pay him like 150, 200. God forbid it's more. Like, I fear it's more. No. I fear it's more. I fear it's well, like 250, 300. Well, exactly. Well, there's your answer. They have, you know, 20 of those guys who don't really – like Gianluca Brambilla might have been on like 400K and he doesn't really move the needle. Chicone might be oh. on 1.5, 1.3. Like, so, yeah. And then the big miss is they signed all these guys, filled up all the roster spots. The best Italian U23 – bear in mind – I'm not being mean, but Italy is not stockpiled with young talent at the moment. The clear best Italian U23, in my opinion, became available from Gazprom and they didn't sign him. And they're the de facto Italian team. Let's say they're half Italian. UAE is half Italian. We've got one whole Italian team. They're half of one. They didn't sign Piccolo. How? Like how did EF get Piccolo and not Trek? I don't get it. I really don't. I don't get it. Like if hmm. you, yeah, if you're Sega Fredo, you're like, you're taking the coffee beans back. <laughs> you can't have, no, actually, are they, are they machine or they produce beans? Don't know. Anyway, been a bit mean to Trek, but frankly, yeah, I'm not sure the direction of this team. Do you think they should sign Quintana? I think they need a GC rider now and Quintana... For on a one-year deal, might be the solution for a year, but they need to find something for next year then. And let us think about it for a second. Let us Is go Scalmoza, ahead and take a look he's at. He's not going to be the guy. We he hasn't proven it yet, and I don't see it yet to be that top-tier GC rider. I'm currently still waiting for him to compete for a World Tour one-week race. In that yeah. sense, that's what I'm looking at first. And when and we Chicone look at 2023, never. that's true. That, I agree. Chicone is yeah. not building up to that. Chicone is overrated as like a GC rider. Yeah. Um, but who's coming available? Like Gary Thomas land after 2023. Lo- Miguel Angel Lopez again. Like they should See probably Rod. sign Lopez. Miguel Angel Lopez. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> they're not really Martinez? signing young. Yeah. But the problem is they don't really sign young GC riders who develop, apart from Skelmosa, but they sign a lot of punchy guys. Baroncini, Nace, Tesfacion. They're punchy sort of guys. And, I mean, Nace might be the exception, but, yeah, they they kind of have a lot of guys who are quite strong on the plot, decent over a hill, don't really have a spot, aren't a GC rider. And at the end of the day, um, it's tough to win races for those riders. So, yeah. I don't really know. like. Is this apart from the money? Is it an attractive place for riders to go as well? Um, like, if you're a prospective young GC rider, would you trust Trek to develop you, or Bora, or Yumbo, or Quickstep, or Ineos? That's what they're fighting against as well. They did get bored of Tour de France podium, though the last GC rider they had, and he was flying. So, I actually think Daniel Felipe Martinez might be a good signing for them. True. Next year. Listen, I think, you know, get rid of, they surely have a lot of people coming off the books. Let me look. Okay, so they have like 
15 guys out of contract at the end of next year. And I'll just whip through them. So you got to let go. Gallopan, yeah. Tolhook, Aberastri, Lapins, Vergada, Rustenga, out. Mosca's is okay. Bernard's quite good. Kirsch is good. Elisander's okay, but might need to take a pay cut. Turns, not sure. Simmons, I know it's like, like Simmons is a super talent, Benji. Simmons was pivotal in that Mads Pedersen stage where yeah. he was. He said to him, get my wheel, we're getting in this damn break. By the way, how do we not mention him for the Hill Classics? Oh, I, I, I said for Amstel. But, oh, okay. But, but this is my question with Simmons. They have signed some super talents. He's out of contract too at the end of this year. Uh, 21 years old, turning 22 in May. Incredibly strong. He didn't win a race this year. He was seventh in Strata. Mate, he's going for KOM jerseys at Tirano. Like that's the if that's yeah. I know his what aim, the fuck is going on. He's 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 better than that. He should be hunting like that. Tour de Wallonie where he was winning stuff or getting close to winning stuff. He won, last he won year? last year. Last year, yeah, he won GC well, in the stage. I think he should have been stepping up from that this year. Like sixth in Britannia he, Classic in 2020. He should do better at this point. Like I am still, but also when it comes to the cobble classics, I expect him to be better at this point. But whose fault he just is attacks that? Attacks at the yeah. Is he, this is the question? Is his level bad, or or are they not coaching him enough, or is he uncoachable? I don't know. Good question. Because this guy dropped Alaphilippe. Okay, not in his best form. He dropped everyone in the break on Carpena in the in Queen's yeah. Stage of Toronto. Dropped them, and. He was really, really good in the Tour de France. He just races really, really stupid a lot of the time. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, it's always nice when you see a, a Neo Pro, when you're in your first year, you show a flash and you attack. Oh, cool. He's able to attack. It's not going to go anywhere. But um, Did he we're sort almost of win that, that Swiss stage? Yeah. That Dan's one? But then he launched 10 miles too early? Or was that oh, not his Alp. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. In that on the second time stands. Like, he's a good rider, but he's just not, and his level is really good. Um, but they need to, they really need to work with him on, first of all, targeting realistic and appropriate goals in the right races, doing the right race program, and then mm-hmm. race strategy in those races um, as well. Uh, but listen, he's, he's only 21. It's not like this is the last chance. And <laughs> if I was, maybe it doesn't fit with EF's, um, with EF's culture, but he, there's going to be teams after his signature shortly after this year as well. Yep. So um, he's a big one. But again, he's not a GC guy. He's kind of just like a very strong rider, one-day rider. Um, and I'll be interested to see what happens with him. But yeah, who do you, what do you think happens next year, Benji? Do you think they go all in on Pedersen for all the classics and maybe they split him out a bit? Or do you think it's still co-leadership with Sturvin, which I think is fine for Roubaix, but not for the others? I agree. I do believe that you can't just go and go to the race and say all out leadership for Pedersen when there might be situations while where having Jasper Sturvin up the road with Atish Benod, I'd have Stuyven up the road. With Abinyam, I wouldn't have Stuyven up the road. 
That kind of scenario, you know? Or I'd have him at least sit on Binyam. That kind of stuff. It's still useful to have Steven in the race in a role where he's not necessarily completely battered from a potential leadership role. If he's in a position that could actually win the race, then you're like, suddenly leader. But I think going into the race, Peterson is definitely higher up. I think they should go into races thinking, how can we get Ms. Peterson to win this race? How can we make sure the race is closed off a bit, that it could go towards a sprint situation or in Roubaix where we can try and smash it and have Peterson go up the road in, in a situation where he's not necessarily going to be rolled attacks upon because that's going to happen in most of the races. And we mentioned in the Alpecin podcast that a Vanderpool Sonokra Anderson scenario on MSR should work out. Steven and Peterson should be able to do that as well at MSR. Steven, in a good day, Peterson in a good day, should both be getting over the Pojo in or near the front group. And if that happens, I think you pull the card Peterson and Steven needs to do everything to get Peterson to the line. Because on paper, Peterson beats Wout van Aert. Yeah. On paper. And Van der Poel. Maybe not Ewan, but yeah, Peterson's super fast. I think he's... Uh, slightly faster than Van Aert if, um, as well. If Ewan's there, then Steven should try and roll attacks. Yeah, like he did when he won in 2021. Yeah. And that's a good stretch. But yeah, MSR is probably, again, the, the monument where I see them having the most possible success. Curious that Simmons didn't do MSR this year. Um, I'd like to, I think Simmons could also be useful for those two in MSR as well, um, at least helping them on the Poggio. I uh, the right weight and profile for it. Baron Chini too. I'd like to see him there. I really like to see a breakout season from Baron Chini because of his affected year this year. Uh, classics, yeah, it'll be Turns, Kirsch, Pedersen, Sturver. I think they'll be a little bit undergunned compared to any off quick step and Alperson and Yumbo. So they'll be fifth and a, a good gap fifth and Giro. Chicone has to go for stages. <laughs> I think they should send the Italians and just go for stages. GC with those TTKs, I think going for sixth on GC is a bit of a waste of time. And then Tour de France will be Pedersen Green Jersey, I think should be the big goal. Um, and maybe Simmons flying attack on, on the Basque stages. I think Simmons should do the Tour again. And Molin will probably do it again. And then Vuelta... Pedersen, uh, he's got to do Patron. Worlds. Yeah, Palpatron Worlds to GC. has got to do Worlds, though, and focus on that, because he can win Worlds. Yep, that's pre-Tour, though, eh? Pre-Vuelta. Uh, Pre-Vuelta, wow. I just, I'm like changing the calendar up completely now. I'm not putting it between Giro and the Tour for some reason. I agree. I, um, I think he should focus on Tour de France and Worlds. Try and keep that up. I don't know if it's remotely possible to keep that up for five weeks, but that's what a lot of people will be hunting for. Um, I think Peterson is indeed the focus for the green jersey. He should be going for the green jersey this time around. I think Philipson yeah. as well, by the way, for Alpeson, with all the sprint stages that exist. I think that's a step up for Philipson as well, the goal that he should have. But when it comes to Peterson, also try and get as close as possible on all the sprints, try and get a bonus there. But... With all those flat sprint stages, did the Tour de France make it a lot harder for Wout van Aert to win green? Uh, well, he's got, to, he's got to clean up. It depends on the points allocation. So if they're crazy and give 50 points to some of those Basque stages, <laughs> again, like remember Longwee and Lausanne with 50 pointers, I think. Yeah. 
which was mental. And it's like, well, it's yeah. impossible for a pure sprinter to win. So it depends on the points allocation. That. Honestly, I think, to be honest, there's going to be a lot of 30-point stages where the sprinters literally have no chance and Van Aert can pick up a fair few points. And also the intermediate allocation and positioning wasn't that favourable to this year. I still think he's the heavy favourite for it. But Pedersen should definitely go for it in a targeted way. I would like to see next year Tom Skerns get more opportunities to win. He's a very strong rider. You, you, you don't come top 10 in World Tour Classics as an average rider. You just don't. Like, he's a strong, above-average rider, and he rides mostly as a domestique. He doesn't have the severe punch. He doesn't have the best pure climbing or a sprint. That's the problem. But the longer races, he's very, very strong. He has a big engine. And I would like to see him go in some breakaways. This, like, they, as you said, they don't have the GC rider. Yep. So he needs to be freed much, much more. Because frankly, apart from on certain stages for Pedersen, where you go all in, no, no one else in the team is deserving of his 100% domestique focus. So I would like to see I... him get his own opportunities. I agree, but I don't believe he can step up from this point. I think this is the point where he's at. He won't necessarily get stronger. I think he'd need to find a stage that suits him significantly in a Grand Tour, mainly possible in the Giro and the Vuelta. Those are the two you're looking at. You can't do this at the Twitter France if you're Tom Scudians, that you're fighting at against the big guns there in the breakaways. I think in a Giro breakaway, he can make it. I think in a Vuelta breakaway, he might be able to make it. In a Twitter France, I don't believe in it. And I do believe he should get more opportunities in that Giro and Vuelta breakaways, for example. But I see him destined to stay what he is, which is a domestique on all terrains because he's very versatile and it's what he's good at. My example is something like Cretum Dauphiné stage six, rolling nothing stage battle between break and sprint. Valentin Ferron, Pierre Roland, Warren Buggy, Andrea, Andrea Bagioli, Bouchard, Lefay got the break. And Ferron won. And it was kind of just a misc break. Yeah. Perfect stage for him. He should be trying to get in those breakaways. There is Now, maybe he just doesn't want to. But there is no reason why he shouldn't get in that break. Um, like, Jasper Sturven's not beating Gronenwegen and Van Aert in the sprint. So, they're the sort of stages. I think Steven should be in that break. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Like, he's got to realize he's never winning a punch sprint. Like, so that's the only way to win if, if you're turning up at those races. Um, but yeah, interesting to see how Trek, Trek go. They got a lot of riders out of contract next year. Perhaps they'll make a big splash, but Rodriguez is locked up, one would think. Either any awesome of a star, I don't see him leaving those two. So who will they make the big splash for? Maybe an all-out Koi, Benji. Maybe they go for a pure sprinter. DSM. DSM should go all-out for Koi. I'm going to keep on saying it. Okay. DSM. But yeah, maybe they'll go for a pure sprinter. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what happens. Hopefully, Pedersen has a good year. Seems like a pretty likable guy. Uh, I think he'll keep winning because he's damn good. But otherwise, I'll be focusing mainly on the, the youngsters of this team. Tess Fazion, Thibaut Nace, Simmons, um, Baroncini, Darnold, they're, I think, the future and good riders, and I really want to see them progress. Otherwise, they might get poached, I think. Riders like Simmons, they've got to be careful of that. But anyway, 
that was a Trek Sega Freighter preview over on the World Tour wins next year. Benji, I know we don't normally do it. Six and a half. Under. Under six and a half? Yep. No confidence. Pedersen scores five of them. Uh, I don't five think he gets to five. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No. I'm taking the under two. I'm taking the under. All right. Confidence in Pedersen Roubaix? Uh, uh, low. I think Van Bala, Laporte, Wafflenart is it's tough. Um, okay. It's tough. Like, who's going to... Is Jesper Sturman going to bring back to Van Bala for him? He should. If you can guarantee that for me, then maybe change your mind. Fuck it. Peterson's going to win Rubé. Okay. Benji sees change team dynamics in Trek Segafredo. Um, maybe he's <laughs> going to move on with their DS at their January camp and explain to them. Oh, the like, this, this eight figures than I might. Eight Otherwise, I'll focus on this podcast. I mean, if they pay, if they pay some of these guys what they pay them, then yeah, seems reasonable <laughs> to me. <laughs> all right, that's all from us. That's the Trek Segafredo preview. Thanks as with as always, and we'll see you in the next one. Ciao. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.